everybody. How is everybody doing today? Thanks for tuning in for the Food for Thought Fridays. I am feeling the love from you all and I just have to take a moment to just thank a couple of people who have sent me some emails. You guys have given me some great feedback about the Two Minute Tuesday and the Food for Thought Fridays. So I just want to thank Leanne from Australia, John M., uh, Roland from Germany, Jesse M., Jack G., and Monica B. Uh, I really loved hearing from you guys and hearing your thoughts about these new segments, so thank you very much. I hope everybody had a nice 4th of July. I actually spent a good part of the 4th of July weekend at a festival. It was a three-day music festival. It poured pretty much the entire time. I got a chance to see some new great bands that I have never heard of, but I don't think three-day festivals are for me. It was kind of exhausting. Um, There were a lot of people that were altering their consciousness, and I don't know, everybody looked like they were in their own world. It It was kind of fun, very entertaining. I felt like I was back in the 1960s or something. And uh, but I I had a good time. The music was really good. And for those of you who know me, you know that I just love listening to live music. I will go wherever there is music. So I might have to keep you guys updated on my little concert tour that I'm doing this summer. So for this Friday, it's it's kind of funny. I was having a conversation just the other day with somebody about love. And I said, do we choose love or does love choose us? And then we got onto the topic of laws of attraction and, you know, are we really kind of attracting the mates that are coming to us? Um, are we putting all these qualities out there of, of the person that we're desire, desiring? And the person that I was talking to really didn't buy into the law of attraction. They just kind of feel like, you know, life life happens and, and you deal with stuff. And then we started talking about synchronicity because sometimes when I hear stories about love, it just blows me away to think that like this happened in order for this happen in order for that to happen and then all of a sudden these people meet and it just seems more like by chance or synchronicity and is it really that we're taking all of these small little choices of free will here and there and then we wind up with people or is there really a greater force and maybe we think we're totally in charge and we're you know putting this stuff out on our vision boards and trying to manifest the perfect partner and because I was thinking so hard about this person look they showed up in my life or my mind started to travel when I was thinking more about love and I was thinking well you know love is energy and it's one of the highest vibrations and a lot of times they say love is God, God is love. So really maybe love is choosing us. And then I started thinking about you know, people's free will of choices, let's say people are doing online dating apps, right? So you have all of these things. You can do free ones. You can do ones where you pay for a membership. You have ones like Bumble and Tinder where you swipe right, you swipe left, whatever. You know, you just kind of go through all these people. And then you end up hearing stories where people actually get married off of these sites. Or, you know, they have this connection and it was kind of like, we never would have met had I not you know, swipe through this many people and then it was going outside of my radius of where I lived and then you wind up meeting somebody a couple hours away and you hit it off and it's like, did we really choose that? And you think about the synchronicity and all those small little choices that come into play and how people meet. It just kind of blows my mind. And I love talking about relationships too, by the way. So I'm having this conversation. I go to my office and I go to check my mail and I subscribe to Psychology Today. And the title for this month is The Laws of Attraction, Why You Want the One You Want. So, of course, I was like, oh, my God, that's so crazy. I was just having this conversation this morning with somebody, and I thought the article was actually going to be about the laws of attraction, but it's not. It's more 
what the laws of our attraction are biologically and why we're attracted to people. But the article was still really interesting. And there's a person quoted in here that I love, and I use a lot of her stuff in therapy, especially for couples therapy, to educate people on different type of um, personality types. But basically, in reading this article, it's all about who we desire is driven by powerful evolutionary forces, but while most of us are drawn to looks first, whether or not we admit it, human attraction is far more complex than it appears at first sight. And I would say that that is true. And so the article kind of went into more evolutionary stuff of how do we choose our mates, what are males attracted to, what are females attracted to, and they basically say that there's universal standards of attraction. And there is this guy, his name is David Buss, he's a psychology professor at the University of Texas at Austin, and he's the author of The Evolution of Desire. I might have to go and read that book and get him on the podcast. But he brought up a really interesting point that I didn't even think of, but he said that the main adaptive problem for men, evolutionary speaking, is that human female ovulation now is largely concealed. So he was talking about, you know, researching other female primates, they signal fertility, and it's clearly detectable, obviously, when you think of chimpanzees, right? You can see their their genitalia, it's out in the open for the men to see when they're ovulating, but here as human beings, we're fully clothed, so how are men supposed to be able to detect the ovulation in women? So he goes on to say that men now have to detect fertility from physical cues that happen and correlate it now. So most women, we are fertile between mid-20s and it ends around age 50. So they say when you go through menopause. But they were talking about a bunch of different studies of what female attractiveness was to men and vice versa. Uh, Men will let you know what we're attracted to as well. But that um, some of the main things that why men are drawn to women are through markers of youth. So a woman that looks very healthy, bright eyes, clear skin, full lips, symmetrical features, uh, narrow waist in comparison to hips. So, and then, you know, don't even get me on the subject then of like, marketing and media and all of these beautiful standards that not only females but men also have to live up to in these magazines and how we're constantly marketed to, you know, age, don't age, um, reverse the aging process, have better skin. Here, wear this lipstick, wear this blush, look youthful, look younger than you are. And men, I know you guys get this pressure too, but um, that, that's a whole nother segment. Anyway, but for for women, what the evolutionary standards are, is that women are drawn to physical characteristics indicating good health and a likely ability to provide and protect. Broad shoulders with narrow hips, athleticism, a strong jawline, and a deep voice. So men, that's what women, according to the studies, are looking for. There was another paper published in 2016 in Evolution and Human Behavior, and it took the fertility hypothesis one step further investigating what the authors called the fitness-relevant trait of a woman's lumbar curve. And I remember seeing an article about this, and I thought, wow, that's crazy. And the researchers hypothesized that since pregnancy shifts a woman's center of gravity forward, men would be more attracted to women with a lower back curvature that would minimize the pressure on the spine, 
created by carrying a fetus, thereby reducing net fitness threats. And then they went on and photoshopped a bunch of uh, women's lumbar curves and then exposed those pictures to men. And sure enough, that's what the study revealed. So pretty interesting um, article here. There was uh, another thing talking about attraction not necessarily needing to be the primary thing. Now, earlier in this article that I was reading, it says some people, uh, women are less likely to admit that physical attraction is one of the number one things that they look for. But so this one thing counter argued and said that physical attraction is the number one thing that all human beings will look for, even though they are stating that they like a sense of humor, they like a soft, warm personality, that in some of these studies, the people were still choosing the most attractive people to go out on a second date with, even if those other qualities that they were saying that they wanted somebody funny, um, somebody that was smart and intelligent weren't there, they were still choosing physical attraction as the first primary thing. And then there is another uh, professor that talked about you only needing to be moderately attractive to be attractive to most of the population. And this is called called the concept of assortive mating. And it holds that people who couple up tend to have correlated attractiveness levels. And this is coming from the University of California. They also say couples, whether same-sex or heterosexual, tend to fall within similar ranges of size, education, religious beliefs, values, and socioeconomic status. They were also taking a look at, and I have a story behind this, in 2016, there were researchers at the Warsaw School of Economics, and they analyzed data from a Columbia University speed dating experiment. And they had the participants rate dates on a 10-point scale for both physical attractiveness and intelligence, and they also stated whether they wanted to meet the person again. And unsurprisingly, they said that both the men and women preferred people whom they rated high on both qualities, but men's interest in women's intelligence peaked at a rating of about seven. So I found this pretty interesting. I consider myself to be a fairly intelligent woman, and... um, the study goes on to talk about that evolutionary theorists believe that a woman who has the ability to demonstrate that she could occupy the role of provider, that it can actually decrease a man's sense of power and purpose and compromise his self-evaluation or feelings of manliness. So part of this study here, even though people were saying, yes, I want an intelligent woman, well, don't be too intelligent. Just just peek around to seven. Don't be a 10, because it's going to affect some of our ability to basically take care of. And I swear, I had a person that I dated maybe three years ago, and this was a topic of conversation. He was a person that was pretty well off, you know, did very well for, for himself, but I'm also doing okay for myself, and I could hold my own, and I support my own. And he said to me, April, you don't need anything from me. I can't take care of you. I'm used to taking care of women. I'm used to giving them money. I'm used to helping them out. And I said, well, sorry, I don't, I don't really need your money. I just kind of want your company and uh, would like to hang out and have a good relationship. Like money wasn't an issue. We were both supporting ourselves. And that he told me verbatim that that was a turnoff. And obviously we're, we are not dating anymore, but there seemed to be um, some intimidation there, or he just felt like that he wasn't able to step into that ability to care for or take care of. And so when I read that, that was the first story that I personally thought of, because I was like, wow, I actually had somebody say that to me. Um, Then the article goes on to talk about somebody who's 
research I love. Her name is Helen Fisher, and she's a biological anthropologist. And she is known uh, for the book Anatomy of Love and Why Him, Why Her. And she was actually approached by Match.com. Match.com wanted her to create an algorithm to get better matches. And she, I believe in her study of studying the brain and love, she already created Chemistry.com, but she was also trying to find out the answers of what does it actually mean when people say that they have chemistry? Because she also would agree with that other study um, from the University of California that people tend to match up, you know, with with their age, their education, their socioeconomic status. But there's also something about chemistry because how could you put 500 people in a room or do like this major speed dating event and you know that you're kind of going to choose one or two or walk out of there with somebody that maybe you're more attracted to, even if all of the other people are of the same socioeconomic status, age, maybe same attractiveness level of what you're looking for, but you are more drawn to one person. So in her research study, she believes that the answer lies in four neural systems. And she says that there are four different types of personality traits. There's the dopamine personality trait, serotonin, testosterone, and estrogen systems. And she's created a whole study. You can find her stuff on YouTube, great lectures that she has. It goes into a little bit more of that, and she could speak more eloquently on on the research that she's done. Helen Fisher is also best known for imaging the brains of people in love. So what she found was that with the dopamine-dominant personalities, these are people who we would describe as curious, creative, adventurous types. You know, they're jumping out of airplanes. They love living in the cities. They're on the go, go, go. They love the action. Um, They love the excitement. They tend to be drawn to fellow dopamine-influenced adventurers. Uh, Then you have the serotonin-dominant people, and they're more traditional conscientious, they like to follow the rules, and they're also drawn to people more like themselves. I've heard Helen Fisher say that it is true that like attracts like, and opposites also attract. Now, the opposites that attract are the testosterone-dominant people who are more analytical, skeptical, and tough-minded, and then the estrogen-dominant individuals are nurturing, contextual, and imaginative. And she says the best combinations there is the testosterone and the estrogen to be drawn together, even though they have behavioral opposites. So if you've never heard of Helen Fisher's work, go out there, check some of her YouTubes. It's awesome. So sometimes what I do in couples therapy, if I notice that maybe there might be a dopamine and a serotonin personality hooked up with each other, I give them Helen Fisher stuff to look at so they can have a better understanding of, you know, their partner's personality types and that, you know, maybe one is more of a risk taker and then the other person is going to complement by creating more of that daily routine and structure and that person may seem a little boring, but they're also maybe more of an anchor to that dopamine that just needs to slow down and chill out. So um, let's see here. What are some other parts of the of this article that I loved? Um, I was kind of disappointed that it didn't talk about the laws of attraction because I do follow the laws of attraction. I probably want to talk about some of the Abraham Hicks stuff, if those of you who are familiar with that, on a Food for Thought Friday. But I just found that it's interesting, and I think it's a good topic of conversation to try to figure out, you know, just this whole question about love. So we have this this evolutionary, 
thing that's going on and this biological thing that draws us to people and this chemistry that we're attracted to. And then we have these wonderful, beautiful, cool stories of how people meet. And so is our evolutionary drive and sexual drive, is that really what's pushing us to choose these people? Is their fate? Is their synchronicity? Is love choosing us? I don't know. I don't have the answers sometimes for these Food for Thought Fridays, but I'm just throwing it out there because it's on my mind. I'm thinking about it. I want you to think about it. If you have something to say about it, send me an email, april at path11productions.com, and maybe we'll talk more about it. If you have other books out there that you like that are talking about this topic, we can keep the conversation going. I'll read the emails that you guys send me. I'll give you some of my thoughts about it. But I just thought it was really cool that I was having a conversation the morning before I picked up the psychology today and I was trying to figure out, you know, are we attracting people by what we're putting out there and our vibration or is love really choosing us? And then, you know, reading about all of these different evolutionary theorists and these studies that are done of how people are finding people attractive and why we choose our mates, I just find it fascinating because love just seems to be so easy yet so complex Um, exciting and heartbreaking. And I don't know, I always think love and relationships is a great thing to talk about. Maybe it's just because I'm in the field of psychology and human behavior fascinates me. Um, I'm not sure. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this, this Friday's food for thought. Do we choose love or does love choose us? No idea. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Send me an email, april at path11productions.com. If you get a chance and if you haven't seen our films yet, head on over to path11productions.com. You you can rent uh, the trilogy series. We have the Path Afterlife, the Path Beyond the Physical, the Path Evolution. Another really cool way to get a chance to see our films for free is you can sign up for a subscription on Gaia.com. I believe they still have a week subscription that you can sign up to. You can explore their entire database of documentaries. They have yoga. They have, it's basically, I call it the spiritual forum of Netflix. Um, But all three of our films are on there. You can check them out, sign up for a week subscription. I guarantee if you sign up for a week subscription for them, you're probably going to want to continue it, especially if you love the topics of metaphysical stuff, um, aliens, UFOs, I mean, you name it. They have the catalog for all of it. But you can find our films on there as well. So I hope you're all doing wonderful. Thanks again. Feeling the love from all of you for reaching out to me and letting me know what you think about these segments. And, uh, and that's it. I'm signing off. Have a great weekend.